There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. fans we're on the air it's talking hockey the hockey talking show season four episode 18 an episode we're calling the savard could be denny savard could be the other savard surge but no it's denny denny savard number 18 for the chicago blackhawks montreal canadians uh and he wore number nine for tampa for a couple seasons we'll talk about denny in just a minute but it's co-host tom here with you as always i've got co-host randy looks like randy's uh, at the local rink, taking in a game. He's got a hot chocolate in hand, rink fries in the other hand. Randy, where whereabouts in the rink are you watching the game from? What's your spot? Uh, you know what? I'm down in the corner, uh, you know, down on ice level. You get a real sense of the speed down there. Um, and it's really close to the uh, canteen here. So uh, when I got to <laughs> refill these French fries uh, straight yeah. there. <laughs> that corner spot. That's the place to be at the end boards there. Like, yeah, that's oh, where that's, that's, you know what you're talking about when you sit in the stand in the corner there. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the serious yeah, the hockey sides, folks are there. The sides behind the benches, that's, you know, for, uh, you know, mom and dad to sit there with their cowbells or their noisemakers. Yeah. But down, uh, down at the end boards in the corners, that's, that's for the guys who come and watch every single game all day long. <laughs> <laughs> have a coffee hot chocolate rink hot chocolate oh man like you ever burn the, the roof of your mouth on oh, that big stuff time. but it's just so good like the, <laughs> the chocolatey syrup <laughs> is just, just like, amazing and somehow they get it to unprecedented hotness levels is it where it's just like it's yeah just... it's like when liquid is on the verge of turning to a gas <laughs> <laughs> so hot yeah just burn the roof right off your mouth and uh, yeah, well, I, I do kind of pine for a small town rink experience some, you know, from time to time, just go get like some of those rink fries and, and hot chocolate and just like, yep, stand right at the end boards there <laughs> and take in an hour or two of mo- local minor hockey. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see. So anyway, Randy, uh, season four, uh, yeah, season four, episode 18 here of Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. We're coming at you on uh, 101.5 FM in Winnipeg, UMFM. And of course, you can listen to us anywhere, anytime via podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Uh, there's other ways to get the podcast, but those are the main ones. So um, thank you for joining us again. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about, among other things, but we're going to be talking about the 2003 draft, which was pretty crazy. You'll find out more about that a little later. We're going to be talking about uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, You know, looks like they're pretty much done uh, like ducks. Is that a saying? Done done like dinner. That's the saying. 
Uh, they're not making the playoffs, but we're going to talk a little bit of Jets anyway, too. But first, I think we should talk a little bit about number 18, Denny Savard. Denny was drafted third overall in 1980 by the Chicago Blackhawks. He played junior in Montreal. Denny hails from uh, Gatineau, Quebec, just across the river from Ottawa. Uh, perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, and Denny had himself quite a career. Um, he was an all-star. He won a Stanley Cup with Montreal in 1993. For the most part, he played for Chicago. Uh, excuse me, 13 years in Chicago. Excuse me. Over 1,000 points with the Hawks in 881 games. Montreal, he spent 210 games there. He was kind of on the back I wouldn't say the back nine of his career, but um, the back end, at least anyway. Total, 17 years in the NHL, 1,196 games, and uh, he totaled 1,338 points. Had just about the same amount of penalty minutes, 1,336 penalty minutes. I really like it when you get the points of penalty minutes lining up like that. It's nice. Shows a little balance in his game. He's feisty, but he can score. Yeah, I think um, I think if you would have asked me before seeing that, I, I would have not assumed that about Denny uh yeah. having that many pims. You know, he well, he was he was gentlemanly, like he he didn't play a dirty game per se, and he was even nominated or at least got votes for the Lady Bing Award several times. He, when he played for Montreal, he was traded, of course, infamously for Chris Chelios. That was it was a big trade that that went down in uh, what year would that have been 1990, 91, something like that. And Chelios, of course, went on to Chicago and entered the prime of his career in Chicago, more or less, and had some really great seasons with the Hawks. Uh, Savard was kind of, you know, he'd already had his best seasons, went to Montreal, but he did. Uh, he was part of that 1993 Stanley Cup winning team in Montreal. However, he did miss a lot of the playoffs that year. Had a fractured ankle or something, I think it, it was. Um, and according to Wikipedia, our pals down at Wiki, uh, ended up being more of an assistant coach than a player during that playoff run. So, um, you know, good for him, I guess, right? But he he was, you know, stayed in the mix, was all part of it. And, uh, you know, I think he would have been part of that leadership group of Montreal that helped them bring the the cup home that, that uh, year, which was of course the last time a Canadian team ever won the Stanley cup. And that is many years ago now, like almost 30 years ago now, pretty much 30 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe someday we'll see a Stanley cup in Canada again. Hard to say. Um, but yeah, Denny Savard, like uh, he's a hall of famer got inducted to the hall of fame in the year 2000 the blackhawks retired his number 18 so you'll never see another hawk wear that he's uh fourth all time on blackhawks all-time leading scorers list uh behind bobby hall patrick kane and stan makita who leads the way there wow is taves uh coming up the rear pretty sh- pretty soon or uh taves is so behind denise savard is steve larmer Oh, and yeah. then behind Larmer is Taves. Um, but Taves is uh, currently 844 points 
And like we say there, uh, Denny Savard, he scored for the Hawks 1,096. Oh, so, so he's got some work to Taz- do. Taser's got some work to do, yeah. He's still, I don't know, 80 points behind Steve Larmer or so. So he does have a little little work to do there. But uh, So Denny, yeah. Denny Savard, he, he came back to Chicago to finish his career. And then he transitioned right into a coaching role. So basically from 96, 97, his final year of playing, then 97, 98, he was the assistant coach for the Blackhawks. And then he had uh, a few seasons of assistant and then co-coach and then more assistant uh, coaching. And then he was the head coach for a few seasons. I remember when he got canned. um, Yeah. Because he was head coach kind of just when maybe Taves – that's right. Was a rookie-ish kind of thing. Yeah. And it was bef- obviously before they won the Cups uh, in Chicago when they went on their three Cups in six years type of run. Um, yeah, and uh, Savard kind of... Those were those were seasons of... I mean, they were pretty low seasons for the Hawks. They were... Pretty similar to this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't uh, a great... Not, not as bad. Yeah, weren't a great team. <laughs> um, and that was, of course, too, like... Uh, their o- old owner, um, Rocky or whatever his name was. Yeah. And, and he like, like the, they had, they were playing in front of an empty building for the yeah. most part, like they were, which is weird because Chicago's a good hockey town, you know, and they can these days, even with a, not a great team, they'll, they'll pack the United center 20,000 people or whatever. But in those days they didn't allow like Blackhawks games to be broadcast um in the local market or something because the to owner thought if go. they're if they're on tv then yeah, you know nobody will home. come to the game obviously that wasn't really <laughs> yeah <laughs> might have worked in the 50s but you know in the in the 90s 2000s not so much but i think um, the biggest thing that surprises me actually two biggest things that surprise me about Danny Savard, the Savardian spinorama, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's what he's known for. I would have assumed he would have scored 50 at least once, but he didn't. No, no he was close. Yeah, he had 47, 44, but no 50. I would have yeah. I would have thought that, you know, late 80s he would have scored 50, uh, because everyone did, but uh right. I, guess, I guess not him. Well, that year that he put up 131 points, he had 87 assists to go with his 44 goals. So, I mean, he he was a playmaker, I think, In you know, he could score, sure. But you think about the way he kind of got around the ice. He was like a little water bug. Yeah. He could really skate. And what is he? he was uh, 5'10", 170, so pretty much yeah, that's, not that's a, how not... big I am not a big fella, but, uh, and especially in that era of, you know, um, the NHL, there was some big defensemen roaming the blue lines there, but he was, he was as good as they came there. Old Denny Savard. Yeah. And, uh, these days, I don't really know what he's up to these days. Um, it's, uh, you know, our pals at wiki didn't really update that part of his, uh, life story so i don't know but i don't i don't know if he's coaching anymore like he's obviously not coaching in the nhl or anything anymore but um he was uh you know he w- okay so wikipedia does say that he remains as an ambassador for the blackhawks and they did give him a couple they gave him some stanley a stanley cup ring for each of their cups in the two, oh, yeah. 2010s there so 
you know, he's probably still involved with the Hawks at some point. I mean, he's a legend. He's got his number up in the rafters, you know, he's around, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Denny Savard, 1980 NHL entry draft. Uh, you know, Montreal had the first overall pick in 1980 and they chose to skip drafting Quebec legend, Denny Savard. You know who they drafted instead? I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I just clicked on it. Yeah. From our good folk, our good friends here at HockeyDB.com. Yeah. He, uh, Doug Wickenheiser was uh, who Montreal drafted number one overall. And he's, um, he's he goes down in the annals of uh, hockey history as one of the worst first overall draft picks ever. <laughs> like oh, him and... Meanwhile, uh, at, meanwhile, at number six, you got someone named Paul Coffey. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Montreal kind of screwed the pooch on that one. They, they made a mistake. Um, but, you know, uh, Doug Wickenheiser, is he not Haley's dad? It, well, I don't know. Maybe. I've always assumed he was. I uh, could be very wrong. Regina? He's from Regina. Yeah, he's from Regina. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just always assumed with that last name. Yeah, there's nope, not a... he's the cousin. Oh, okay. Uncle or cousin or uncle? It's his cousin. Okay. So. Well, there you um, go, Doug. Yeah. But, you know, he, he wasn't quite the the number one pick the Montreal Canadiens were hoping for, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, Randy, should we move on to our... Uh, our next little segment here. I guess a couple of days ago, you sent me a little uh, Bay Days uh, flyer in the, yeah, in, in the well, WhatsApp there. <laughs> look, I'm on top of it. Uh, as soon as Bay Days goes, I got a, a little ding on my phone alerting me to some hot sales down at the Bay. So, you know, I'm going to have to t- take the old uh, number 16 bus south and hop on that, uh, head on down to St. Patel Mall, head to the menswear section check out what kind of deals we can get on some pants and it's uh you know this time of year it's like all right let's restock the wardrobe find some new pants uh so that leads me to believe it's time for our everyone's favorite segment wearing the pants which is of course a segment that we like to do around here where um i'll put on the pants of a general manager, coach, uh, team president, whatever, some sort of hockey figure. I'll put on the pants of them and, you know, walk a mile in their pants and uh, give give the opinions of what I think they might do in a situation. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's roll the theme song. When I wake up. Okay, so that was the theme song that everyone has known to come to love and enjoy and wait for all these episodes for when we actually bring it back. It's been a while. This is the first pants uh, segment in, I think, three or four episodes, but it's back now. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Tommy's down at the Bay, St. Vitale. Uh, He's got the pants on. Uh, He might bring them home, leave the tags on. 
wear them around home, make sure they're okay. And then, you know, make the call. Uh, well, you know, yeah. You want to just make sure that they fit good. Uh, and also the mirrors in stores are often. Oh yeah. You know, they, they, they mess know. with you. So we're yeah. doing, we're doing something similar here. We're going to kind of tease. We're going to feel some things out here, but we're going to take some time and let these decisions marinate and we'll hopefully have, have uh, the listeners kind of chime in as well. So what we're doing and what we're kind of uh, allude to doing here over the next couple episodes is kind of uh, from the GM's position, we're going to rate the jets. We're going to, you know, we've got some teachers that likely listen to this show. We're going to break out the the red pens and make the report <laughs> cards. Uh, maybe hand out a few uh, unsatisfactories or however you want to do it. But uh, in, in less of a more, in less of a, GM decision about trading or, or, or lineup or coaching, we're going to kind of break down uh, different elements of the jets and we're going to grade them. So yeah. uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? You, uh, you go first. Okay. So what I want to us to kind of focus on and, and maybe we just review it as, as colleagues. And then we put the get t- t- together, the, the report card, you know, okay. and, we, and then we fax it to the Winnipeg Jets because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're they're gonna want to see this. Um, but I would say the the aspect of the Winnipeg Jets that I would like to review today is the power play. Mm. And I feel the power play has been pretty much the the main aspect that has let the team down. Uh, if you think though, to the last four or five games they had you know like they said pretty much every morning this is a must win game and they said that about seven games in a row and uh they kept losing um but there was a lot of opportunities especially against los angeles i can remember specifically i think they went zero for five on the power play and they gave up a pk goal or two i think just maybe just one but um yeah the power play just seemed to be that aspect of the team that I felt needed some work and maybe in, in uh, classic Winnipeg jets fashion, they just kept waiting for it to work and it just never was. Um, Mm. So honestly, I would give the power play uh, a very low grade. Uh, We'll maybe officially make the call on what the grade is once we release this report card. But uh, I would say that uh, they need, they need, something they need a shake up they need, they need there needs to be more movement it just seems like they're just standing around uh maybe yeah. that worked for the that worked for setting up lining on with the one-timer all the time but if you watch like colorado or any of those teams with their power play florida for instance they're just constant like movement and and you know weaving in and out and stuff and to me the jets just seem sad and then you know the one defenseman with four forwards led to giving up some shorthanded goals, but Tommy, what, what, what's your take? If, if we, we're, we're going to put our heads together and, and mm-hmm. review this power play, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, and you mentioned that LA game and I think it was over six, not over five. So even, and then the shorthanded goal against, which in a three, two game, you know, there's, there's, that's this game story right there. Um, but yeah, if I'm if I'm wearing Chevy's pants and I'm looking at the Jets power play this year, which is 20, you know, 20 something percent, um, it's it, it, it to me, just like the eye test or whatever, it looks stagnant and stale. And, you know, like Toronto has got, I think, the top power play in the league. 
and you watch their power play, you watch Colorado's power play, they're moving around. You're right. Like there is movement and the jets just haven't really seemed to have that. Um, and I think like, I, I would give it a, a failing grade as well. I'm not sure exactly the, the letter grade. I'm trying to just sort of look up here what their actual power play percent is. I have it right but, here. It's, uh, where is it? Winnipeg. It's, uh, no, that can't be right. Yeah. So Toronto oh, is 20. It's, it's 21.17. Okay. And Toronto leads the league with a 29.4%. Colorado's 25%, Edmonton's 25 and a half. The Rangers and the Blues are right behind Toronto. So so those are your top five teams there. Toronto, Rangers, Blues, Oilers, Avs. And the Avs are 25%. So you go down another 4% and then you get to the Jets, which pretty middle of the pack. So you think, okay, well, middle of the pack's not bad. But the fact is that the power play has pretty much been the reason they've lost several games for sure they've had opportunities upon opportunities to 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 get a power play goal either get them back in the game or get a get a lead or whatever and it just like lets them down a lot and there's aspects of the power play that i think are good i like pierre luc dubois and kyle connor um like dubois in the front of the net connor kind of on the in the in the in the circle you know um but they basically they set up kind of you know shifley on one circle connor on the other dubois in front morrissey at the top and then wheeler down low and then they don't really move from those positions yeah and uh, you know so here to me it, that special teams i don't know what coaches do really but besides, you know, like these are all guys. It's not like you're teaching skills. These are pro players. So what do coaches actually do? I think that they influence your special teams and then matchups and stuff like that. And the Jets special teams have been a sore point for many seasons. Like going back to Paul Maurice, it was always like the penalty kill was terrible. Uh, the power play was okay for a while because we had, Patrick Line and you just give it to him and he scores. And, and they had Bufflin too. Yeah. And Bufflin, right. Without those threats, because Bufflin could really hammer the puck from the top of the circle or from the top of the blue line there. And then Line from the circle. Without those shooting threats, you know, it neutralizes it. So, like, you can pass the puck around the perimeter all day long, which is what the Jets often do. And then they'll end up with one shot on the power play, you know, and it's just. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a little bit you know frustrating to to watch as a Jets fan, but I think it's a coachable thing. So for me, it's like why why who's in charge of the power play and why haven't they tried something else? You know, so it's a it's if I'm Chevy and I'm wearing these sweet new khakis I just got at the bay, and I'm like ah. They don't feel quite right. I'm going to try a different pair of pants and the, the jets power play just hasn't looked quite right. So why, why wouldn't they try something else? I yeah, don't know. exactly. If Tom's got a pair of pants on and he doesn't like how they fit, he's not going to keep wearing them. <laughs> he's going go gonna, to go back to the bay. <laughs> that's right. 
Yeah. Uh, keep the tags on, return them, and get yeah. a different pair. It's like, sir, did you wear these out? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> it's like when Costanza takes the book to the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, we can't take this book back it's been flagged it's been in the bathroom uh so yeah uh you know and listeners uh you know take take that into account when you want to send in you know or send in your thoughts uh we'll we'll kind of reach out and hopefully uh have some folks kind of join us on a future episode to run down this report card but what's what's another aspect of the winnipeg jets you'd want to kind of go over right now sure so yeah i'll uh, i'll ask you so now you you put some pants on here but if you're a chevy and uh, trying on his pants. What uh, what's your grade for the coaching situation this year? And I mean, that's got a bit of an asterisk beside it because of the coaching change mid year. Which, you know, if you're, <laughs> I'll just put on Mark Chipman's pants for a second. That's kind of Chevy's fault. Like you know, the fact that Maurice was given the year to start and then he ended up you know resigning aka i mean he quit right and um so then so as as i as mark chipman i want to know what you chevy uh <laughs> think of what what do you what's your coaching grades and why like well, you, you, I, I, you're right. Like, I think the coaching grade is directly related to Chevy. It's like a grade for him too. He's yeah. kind of, he's kind of like, they're wearing the same pair of pants. Um, but honestly, like, I think the only thing that they can do going forward, and if they don't do this, they need like, they need to do some full on coaching changes. Cause if they go into next season and then they just bring in somebody, whoever that might be. And then that it's still like the same coaching staff, like the rest of the, the staff, I think we're going to just be like in this endless loop, like where it's like groundhog day. Uh, so, you know, from, from kind of reading different stuff, reading different writers and stuff like that. I think you try and co- go into next season with a full new, a whole new coaching staff or like a, some sort of drastic change. And then if that doesn't spark this current uh, group of players, this core group of players, then you got to start making uh, some change, some roster changes to hopefully make a difference. But honestly, I don't think it's like when Paul Maurice resigned, it, as much as this season would have sucked, it would have been great to just to have them kind of not uh, tank in a way, you know, mm. like, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It's still, in my opinion, it still hasn't felt like legit Winnipeg Jets since we watched that St. Louis game uh, when they didn't show up and they lost uh, in game six. Like it just seems like since that point, the Jets have never been, the same and mm. i think it's going to take some drastic changes and not not just on the ice i think just you know or you know coaching staff and then like you just mentioned like it's the coaches that come up with these systems and and the power play um it you can't just put five guys out there including an aging Blake Wheeler and a Mark Shifley who just hasn't been the same in in a while 
you can't expect that just to kind of return to its magic from a couple of seasons ago. Like, you know, more work needs to be done. So, um, you know, I, I, I would say that, yeah, it's like, hopefully there's some major changes. Yeah. Like when it comes to the coaching staff of the jets, um, if you, if you're ever, you know, at all on any online forums or anything like that, you you'll, you'll see like, Charlie Huddy gets a lot of flack and he's kind of the, the defensive coach or whatever for the jets. In my mind, I'm like, does he do anything more than just open the door? Like, I don't really know. Like it's the head coach's team. And I mean, Dave Lowry is basically just an extension of Paul Maurice. Like I know when they hired Lowry, it was essentially to give them an interim coach for when Maurice either was fired or quit, you know? And, um, that was kind of the feeling I got when they hired Lowry. I was like, well, he's just there as like a insurance for when Maurice's mid season re- replaced, you know? Yeah. And so I don't, nothing against Lowry. I think like, I, I think I like him, but like, I, I also think, you know, he's done nothing really different than what Maurice probably would have done. Yeah. And I think it was super hard for him to do that with just all everything that's just built into the team already. For sure. Like the team plays that system. They've been playing that system, et cetera. So it's like, they really need a a new coach to come in and bring his own coaching staff and have like a full training camp to be like, look, I've watched a lot of taper you guys over the last summer and we're changing everything (laughs) you know and to fit the theme of this segment it'd be like tommy went to the bay he went looking for pants but then the salesman was like can i interest you in a new jacket and you're like (laughs) i didn't realize that i needed a new jacket yeah but turns out i do yeah Yeah. and this jacket fits perfectly so yeah (laughs) but yeah you're right like i think dave lowry was just like up against the wall from the get-go and yeah it's it's tough. Like honestly, yeah. if if we return next season and it's the exact same uh, coaching staff, then uh, I I'm gonna have I just, to, yeah, gonna it's have like to a, move. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like I'm sorry, I can no longer live in this yeah. town. Uh, I'm moving to uh, Denver. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like uh, with the assistant coaches, you know, like they have their like i think jamie compon is the special teams coach so it's kind of like like well what's up jamie like why you know but at the end of the day it's the head coach's team and uh you know you can you can say nice things about all of them probably but at the end of the day like at the end of this season you gotta hope that chevy is already kind of looking at the coaching market and seeing who's out there and and who else you know. might be getting fired or let go at the end of this season or their contracts running out. And then maybe that's an option for the jets. Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah, I have no idea who that would be. Um, but uh, yeah. So how, how are we going to do this moving forward? Right. How are we going to include some folks or, or uh, kind of yeah. summarize this report card? Well, let's summarize this by saying coaching. Uh, I think it's pretty much an F this yeah, year needs improvement yeah <laughs> exactly yeah needs improvement power play yeah. you know that's maybe a, a d plus i don't know yeah because like you I, you know, honestly it, i didn't think they were in the middle of the league so yeah it's maybe it's yeah. not failing but yeah. 
it's the a power six play te- did fail the team this year. So absolutely. Yeah. Like they've had, I, I did hear, you know, at one point, um, the, the amount of power play opportunities they have is in the top tier of the league. Like they've had a lot of power, like they draw a lot of penalties. Nick Ehlers is a master at drawing penalties. Um, Kyle Connor, et cetera. But then when you actually get the power play, it's, it's middle of the pack. So that needs to improve as well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it an F, but maybe a C minus or something like that, you know? Um, but uh, going forward. Yeah. Like, Let's listeners, if you have uh, some thoughts on some, we're, we're going to in the future, a uh, couple weeks left in the season, we're going to do at the end of the year, sort of a Jets wrap up report card. And so if you've got some thoughts on some of the grades, either by position, by player, by, uh, you know, facet of the game, whatever, uh, reach out to us either. You know, you can get a hold of us on Instagram at Talking Hockey Podcast, um, Twitter, sim- similar handle. Um, you know, you can email us at Talking Hockey Pod. No, sorry, Talking Hockey Pod at gmail.com. Um, or just like stop us on the street, you know, come knock on our door, whatever. Uh, the, and the, just the let Twitter, us know. The Twitter is Talking Hockey Pod. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty sure the Instagram's the same. I'd have to look it up. I've been very bad at the Instagram lately. My apologies, listeners. Um, just social media in general, I've just been not on top of. But, uh, you know, that's the way she goes. But it's Talking Hockey Podcast on the, on the Instagram. So uh, anyway, reach out. And we'll, we're going to reach out to some of our favorite listeners as well. So um, in a future episode coming shortly we'll be doing some Jets grades. But in the meantime, I think we should probably throw to a song. And this is off a compilation. Johnny Heads presents Puck Rock. Volume two. There's a bunch of different volumes. And this is Johnny Hanson of the band, the Hanson Brothers, not the uh, Slapshot Hanson Brothers. But this is a song uh, by King Hokum and the King Bees, Hockey Night. Hockey night in Toronto, another night a great fire. Never like Toronto and the Sherwood Chip of the Leaf. Oh, Hockey night in Toronto, another night a great fire. Never like Toronto and the Sherwood Chip of the Leaf. Hey, from me down to Rotten Snob, you think there are some sun. You can simply ask the mother to find I'm the only one. Toronto's right if you're pretty. Toronto's right if you're dead. Toronto's right if you're proud of my strangers. Something's wrong with your head. Toronto is cool to the newbies. They think they're in Montreal. Toronto's just fine if you're empty inside or if you show up and fall. Dirty thing in Toronto. The lousy crummy leaves. The rest of the band on in the song and the kids that don't compete. Hockey night in Toronto, another night of green fire. Never like Toronto and the Sherwood Chip of the Leaves. Oh, hey. with hockey night in Toronto, another night of green fire. Never like Toronto and the Sherwood Chip of the Leaves. Hey! Lobble out the crummy team, I see them every day. Sunday night to my mother well, when they served on my tray. Bobbins in my bathroom. What I call my crap, my no the conductor about the bomb, but still not taking it back. Cherishing with Edmonton, the Lindner team has got this ease. The Canadian tradition is showing itself a bus. Thinking about the celebrities, dirty lot of creeps. Norway has the holla, and it's got 
Hockey Night by King Hokum and the King Bees. Randy, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, something that just was announced in the NHL this week. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff of the Anaheim Ducks announced that this will be his last season. He's retiring at the end of this year. The, the Ducks, of course, are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Um, and uh, so he's going to be hanging them up after playing a grand total of uh i don't know he's 17 ish years in the league or so um and it got me to sort of think in a little bit um Getzlaff drafted 19th overall in the 2003 draft um and uh i, I mean i won't take credit for this uh elliot friedman kind of got me thinking about it a little bit and he had uh elliot pondered aloud on his media platform uh you know who will be the last 2003 draftee sort of still playing in the nhl uh now that gets is retiring um and there are still a, a few of them uh, uh but not many left and but it got me thinking about the 2003 draft you look it up it's crazy like what a draft that was and with Getzlaff being drafted 19th overall, you know, you think about how good he's been in the career he's had. Um, like it's like some of the guys drafted in front of him. Um, amazing players. These are players that we've, you know, you think of the NHL right now, and these are guys that are kind of just a big part of what the NHL has been for the last 20 years or something like that. And um you know, like drafted first overall in that draft was Marc-Andre Fleury. So he's still playing. Uh, will he continue after this year? Hard to say. He hasn't made an announcement, but he's with Minnesota now, and they're looking to go on a bit of a playoff run. And, uh, you know, Fleury drafted first overall. Not too many goalies taken with that pick. But when you do pick a goalie at number one overall, he better be good. <laughs> and Flurry, I think it's safe to say, is pretty good, right? Like he's he's got his a few cups and uh he's an all-star and just top top drawer, a future Hall of Famer for sure. And as, as is Getzlaff. Um, but you think of Getzlaff in Anaheim in 2003 being drafted by them. They also so the Ducks had two first round picks that year. They also took uh, his longtime line mate, Corey Perry. 
he was drafted 28th overall uh, in 2003. So the, uh, the, the powerful duo, the Tower of Power, Ryan Getzlaff, I mean, he's a big boy, big Regina farmhand boy. And uh, his buddy, Corey Perry, who's still going, playing for Tampa. And, you know, he might end up being kind of the last man standing from that 2003 group. It's hard to say. But, um, like, what do you, what, what's your main takeaway from that 2003 draft, Randy, before we kind of get into a little bit of detail of some of the other players taken and, and maybe a bit of a retro hindsight redraft kind of thing. Like what's, what's your just sort of like main takeaway of that Oh three draft. Yeah. Just, just looking at the, the draft list here on hockeydb.com, you like, it's crazy to see how many players played a thousand games or more. Uh, yeah. if you, if you scroll down the games played uh, column there, um, you're right. Picking number one, uh, picking a goalie number one overall is always a, a bit of a crapshoot. Obviously Pittsburgh, uh, got it right with flurry. If you scroll down the next goalie chosen was Jimmy Howard, no slouch, oh. uh, for himself, but he went late in the second round. Um, and then the next goalie I found was someone named Ryan Muntz who didn't even play in the NHL. So, (laughs) you know, I guess you could say it was a pretty, uh, you know, the, the depth for goaltending that year wasn't, wasn't quite there. Um, Mm. but obviously it was, it was definitely there in, in other aspects of it. Um, and you know, it's, it's always fun to kind of play the game, like who they should have taken and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, if you scroll all the, like the one thing that I kind of like doing with hockey DB is like number one, looking at who the jets could have picked or Atlanta. Uh, um, and if you look at that for this round, it was Braden Colburn who, um, you know, he had a decent, uh, um, yeah. career, but they picked him at eighth overall in Atlanta. You know, that means they could have had, Geslaff, Burns, Kessler, Richards, Boyle, yeah. uh, Corey Perry. There's a lot of guys uh, after him. That and Coburn could... like played 30 games for Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like he didn't. He he started more or less in Philadelphia. So yeah, like and he... just just you know in in similar fashion, Atlanta did not draft very well. So no, I mean when, Patrick when... Stefan. We were talking about bad number yeah. one overall picks. Stefan yeah. drafted by Atlanta was like kind of the cream of the crop and that, that that's the, the that's the perfect example of blowing a first over or a, like a high pick yeah. um paul bissonette uh went went this round this draft as well not very high mm. uh and then uh, other jets kind of notable players uh toby enstrom and uh and dustin bufflin went in this uh draft as well dustin bufflin obviously drafted by chicago he went in the eighth round and uh, Toby Enstrom was drafted by Atlanta in the uh, eighth round as well. So mm-hmm. pretty, pretty deep. Like, you know, someone drafted in the eighth round and they end up playing over 800 games. Like that's uh, Not too shabby. That's pretty good scouting. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's something else that we need to add to the Jets uh, report card uh, for, yeah. for in the future. But yeah, anyways, the, uh, yeah, this is such a wild draft. And uh, if I had to pick who the last guy standing is going to be, uh, ah, that's such a tough one. I I think for I'd maybe say Brent Burns, just because I think he's got more longevity in him compared to some of these other guys, like Jeff yeah. Carter. Maybe got one more, even though he signed, 
He's good for two more years. I just have a feeling that Burns is around for a bit longer. Corey Perry too. I think he could be there's done. There's still there's still about sixteen or twenty guys uh, who are active from Ryan that draft. Suter is one of them. You know, David Backus. Um, is he still playing? Isn't he? Uh, I thought I saw him just doing like color commentary on the game oh. lately, but maybe. Oh know. yeah, maybe he retired. Last year was his last. Yeah, season. I think I think yeah. he's done. Yeah. My bad. Uh, um, but no, but again, there's no shortage of players uh, that are still playing. Um, I, I, I would I would put my money on on Brent Burns. I think. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Brown, he's I. Seems like that guy could probably go forever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jeff Carter's still going. He's from that draft. And uh, Zach Parise, Joe Pavelski, Patrice yeah, Pavelski, Bergeron. Yeah. Pavelski you know. went in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah. So pretty wild. Uh, but there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, uh, shaped the sort of game. But, like, when we, when we look at overall, you know, the the sort of – 2003 draft as far as looking at it in chron- not chronolo- chronological order but you know what I mean like so it was Marc-Andre Fleury went first number two was Eric Stahl to Carolina and he had obviously quite a career which kind of more or less wrapped up last season he didn't get a job this year although he played for the the Olympic team which obviously ended up kind of getting um, booted from medal contention unfortunately, but uh, Nathan Horton went third overall and he, his career cut short um, with, with head injury con- yeah. concussion issues, yeah. um, but he was a good player. Um, he played for Boston, right? Is that, it was Florida who drafted him, but he, he was a Bruin. I think he also Matt. went to Columbus too at one point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He um, finished in Columbus. Yeah. Uh, number four overall, Nikolai Zherdev. You know, I mean, he wasn't too bad, but like he was fourth overall in this crazy draft that you're going to, you know. Uh, Thomas Vanek went fifth overall. I mean, he had a good career. Um, scored a bunch of goals for Buffalo. Milan Michalik, he was sixth overall. Again, like a fine career, but compared to sort of some of the other guys, it's, uh, you know, and then Ryan Suter went to Nashville at seventh overall. Suter now playing for Dallas. Dallas. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was like, I was going to say, I know he got bought out by Minnesota at the beginning of this year. Um, but yeah, he signed a deal with Dallas. And then Coburn, Dion Phaneuf was drafted ninth overall. Andre Kostitsin, uh, 10th by Montreal. Is Co- is Andre 46 or 74? 46. Okay. Uh, Sergi is 74. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Carter went 11th to Philadelphia, and Carter currently playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, Pittsburgh's like, you know, in a bit of a skid right now. They've lost a few games in a row now. Uh, things, you know, it's it's a bad time of year for them to kind of go cold, but. Uh, you know, maybe they'll they'll pick it up here, turn it or turn things around. Um, the New York Rangers at 12th overall drafted a guy named Hugh Jessamine, 
who played a grand total of two NHL games. Uh, so that was kind of the biggest flop of the first round because pretty much everybody else in the first round with this exception of one other guy, you know, had a career that like they had a, they were names you would know if you're a hockey fan. Right. Yeah. And um, so then after Jessamine, there was Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook was taken after him. Robert Nilsson taken by the Islanders, Steve Bernier by the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Zach Parise was taken 17th by the Devils. Eric Fair drafted by Washington in 18th. He's a, he's a Manitoba guy, isn't he? Yeah. Winkler, I I believe, or somewhere down there. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, Getzlaff was drafted 19th by Anaheim. Brent Burns at 20th by Minnesota. Mark Stewart drafted by Boston at 21st overall. He's a former Winnipeg Jet. The kind of hard-nosed D-man that you you need, you know? Like, he, Stewart was never flashy. And uh, I, I think his, his career, or at least his tenure as a Winnipeg Jet, summed up perfectly by uh, a few years ago, like, blocked a shot with his face and like shrugged <laughs> it off yeah. and continued. Like, he didn't miss a shift, you know, he's that kind of guy. Um, Mark Antoine Pouliot uh, drafted 22nd overall by uh, Edmonton. That guy his, you know, probably uh, one of the names that you might not really recognize. I, he's, he, he doesn't really ring a bell for me to be honest with you. 23rd overall was Ryan Kessler by Vancouver Canucks. Kessler had himself a pretty nice career, played a thousand games, kind of known. I mean, he had a few seasons with Vancouver where he was putting in points and doing very well offensively, but really known as a two-way forward and kind of like uh, a guy that guys hated to play against, you know, like yeah, that kind guy. of guy. And he was, he was a big, good at face-offs and, um, just a key player in that Canucks run to the cup. And then uh, injuries kind of ended his career a few years ago. Mike Richards drafted 24th overall by Philadelphia. He, uh, another guy who had injuries kind of derail his career, but had a solid run and uh, still got two cups and an Olympic gold too, though. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. And uh, uh, you ran into him on the way to a game one time. I did. Right? Yeah. We're, we're tight now. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, what's kind of funny is Philadelphia had two first round picks uh, this year as well. And they took Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, but both guys ended up in LA and winning two cups with the Kings. That's right. And Philly yeah. didn't win one. So uh, <laughs> that's not how you do it, I guess. Well, Philadelphia has made some very questionable trades over the years and trading away Carter and, uh, Richards were uh, just a couple of those questionable ones. Anthony Stewart was taken 25th overall by Florida. Of course, Anthony maybe nowadays best known as uh, uh, being on the Hockey Night in Canada panel or the uh, Hockey Central panel. I, I don't know what you call it, but yeah, he's uh, he's uh, pretty good there, actually. I don't mind him at all. He, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Um, although I will say, and this isn't his fault. This is the Hockey Night Canada in general. They do come off as a bit of a Leafs fan group, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't watch that stuff very yeah. much. I'm always oh, switching boy. to another game. Oh, they've been they're They're so elated about Austin Matthews's uh, recent uh, goal scoring success or whatever, but I just, I can't handle it. Anyway, 
Brian Boyle still going. He's a Pittsburgh Penguin these days. He was drafted 26th overall by the LA Kings. LA had back-to-back picks in this year. Uh, and so at 27th, they drafted Jeff Tambellini, who uh, that's a name that I definitely, you know, that rings some bells. However, he didn't have much of a playing career, only 242 games. Um, so I don't know why he, why that name, Jeff Tambellini really made a, an impact for me, but it did. But uh, Corey Perry drafted at 28th by Anaheim. That was their second pick of the first round, obviously. Uh, Patrick Eves was taken at 29th by Ottawa. And he was a guy who had a big beard for a while, played with Dallas and they had. That's right. Yeah. Didn't they, he have like some sort of like seizure or something on the, or I who was that? No. no, I think you're right. And it, it, Eve's his career might have been someone collapsed on the bench for the Dallas Stars. I remember it, it wasn't mm. Eve's. I don't know. Anyways, but we're actually we're we're down to about a minute to go here, Tim. Okay. Oh, Tom, sorry. Yeah, and well, and Sean Bell was the last pick of the first round in that year. He went to St. Louis at 30th overall, and he's he only played 20 games in the NHL. So a name you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with. So I guess we were we were you know that that kind of who would you take number one overall now knowing all that, plus all the guys that we didn't get to in the other rounds, but yeah, well, the thing is, it's like you go into the draft. I was just going to ask you this, like you should be picking the best player available. Um, But some, sometimes that's not what they do. Sometimes they, they draft out of um, a sense of need. And if Pittsburgh needed a goalie and he hears a, a, you know, a high rated goaltender that's available to them, they needed him. They got him. Uh, so honestly, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault the Penguins for taking Flurry. Obviously, no. now what you've seen, what he's done, what he's done. Yeah. But um, you know, in hindsight, you know, seeing where everything is right now, like yeah, you have to think Pavelski should have been a top five pick. Yeah, uh, for sure. He's down in the seventh round. But uh, but yeah, like it's it's just such a nostalgic, uh, you know, trip, uh, especially thinking about like. Mike Richards, who hasn't played in the league for years, but he mm-hmm. had such a impact on the league, uh, you know, in the in the mid or late two thousands there, uh, in early, like twenty ten, early twenty ten yeah. there and stuff. And, so, and I mean, when you think about Dustin Bufflin being drafted in the eighth round, like I mean, yeah. how many teams passed over him before Chicago was like, yeah, why not? And but yeah, uh, Patrice Bergeron is a guy that he's currently the third most points of that two thousand three draft class. And uh, I think he's probably a guy at a lot of teams these days, you'd say, you know, him or Getzlaff even, you know, there's a big guy, big center, probably Getzlaff, you know, he's got over a thousand points now in his career, plays center. He's that franchise kind of guy, right? Like him and they won a cup early on. And um, so we're going to wrap things up here, though, with a little tune from 2003. Um, That was kind of our like, Craig Button, director of scouting uh, report <laughs> on the 03 draft class. And so, uh, you know, 2003, the hardest button to button was Craig Button. And uh, Craig Button, your way to the top. <laughs> that was good times. We'll, we'll catch you next week on Talking Hockey.